0: Welcome to Talking Up Eagle Mountain, where we discuss a variety of topics related to Eagle Mountain City government services, programs, and goals. I'm Mayor Tom Westmoreland, and I'll be your host for this episode. The subject matter for uh, this podcast is uh, raptor conservation. We have with us uh, today, Dave uh, Oliar. Did I say that right? You did, yes. Well, Welcome. Thank you for being with us. Dave is a senior scientist of Hawkwatch International. Also, uh, we have Jesse Watson, a research biologist with Hawkwatch International. Thank you for being with us, Jesse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, most of our listeners will be familiar with our uh, next guest, Sean Reed, uh, Eagle Mountain City Kestrel Project. Uh, welcome, Sean. Thank you, Mayor. And uh, production staff is uh, Linda Peterson. Let's go ahead and start uh, with you, Dave. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an introduction, a little bit about uh, the, uh, your experience in working with the birds, the, the, the raptors, uh, and uh, get, us, get us going on this subject. What, uh, what's the background, where, where do we need to go?
2: Um, sure. So I'm I'm um, a population ecologist. Studies um, birds, and for the last six years, I've been with Hawkwatch International and been focused on conservation of, of raptors, a group of birds. Um, Hawkwatch International is a nonprofit. We're based here in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and we do work all over the West and across the globe, um, and focused on basically just understanding and conserving birds of prey and um, the environments that we share with them. So we're happy to be here talking with you about Eagle Mountain and the raptors that are here uh, and the work that we do um, locally and elsewhere.
0: This is really important to uh, Eagle Mountain, uh, Eagle Mountain City and, and our residents to uh, be able to preserve, you know, be able to keep these birds here. Uh, they uh, play an important role uh, and certainly enrich our lives. And so we want to do everything that we can to help them thrive in this area. And there's always competition uh, with with the growth that we have, and and other factors. Uh, And we're grateful to have Hawkwatch. Hawk. I don't know why I stumble on that. (laughs) Hawkwatch International's efforts uh, in in this raptor uh, conservation in this area. So. uh, what does, what does Hawk Watch International really do? What's, uh, what, what is the effort there?
2: Sure, so um, we were founded as a migration monitoring organization. So if anyone came from the East Coast, they're probably familiar with Hawk Mountain or Cape May. Um, hawk watching is a hobby. People like to go watch migrating birds. Um, besides seeing how magnificent it is to see large numbers of raptors migrating across a ridge line or down a coast um, over time, we can count those numbers, and those numbers, year after year after year, will tell us something about what's going on with raptor populations. And so, Hawkwatch has seven sites in the West um, where we do that. The closest one is the Shoot Mountains on the border of Utah and Nevada. Sean goes there quite a lot, so he can probably tell people how awesome it is. <laughs> it is awesome. Um, but for over thirty years, we've been counting birds of prey there, and we can look at what's going on in terms of the numbers. And those numbers tell us whether species are doing okay whether it's increasing or whether it's decreasing, right? And when we see decreases, then we we launch um, focused research efforts to try to understand what those decreases mean and why, why they're happening. And one of the species that we see that decrease over my, on migration, not only in the West, but everywhere, are the American kestrel. And so as a result, we've launched research um, here in Utah, and Eagle Mountain is a part of that, and there are research efforts going on elsewhere to understand what's driving the declines of kestrels on migration.
0: Great, Uh, there's nothing that can replace data. And and so, uh, certainly as as Hawk Watch is out there uh, collecting that data on the number of birds and uh, the uh, impact uh, that the environment is having upon them. What are, can we dig into some some specific goals, and and, and we might just uh, involve everyone in this conversation, because I know, Sean, uh, your efforts here locally, and that's really what we're talking about. I realize Hawkwatch International has a much larger scope than simply Eagle Mountain, but but we want to talk about what we can do here and, and we've made some strides, but we know we know that we have to do more. So what are some of the specific goals and projects that we're currently engaged in and that we need to be looking at uh, for future uh, projects? Uh, maybe maybe we can just Sean, if you want to jump in here, give us some Absolutely. reference yeah.
1: So we're looking forward to our fifth year with the Eagle Mountain Kestrel Project. Last year was a, an especially tough year for us. We lost uh, just about 30 percent of the eggs laid did not end up fledging. Um, not really sure why, weather-related. Um, we had some construction impacts. Uh, we lost a, a couple of nests. Uh, we're losing two of our nest sites this year due to construction or um, uh, just development which is a little tough to see, so we're, we're going to be looking for new sites to bring in. Hopefully we can bring in you know, three or four new boxes. And I'm also hoping to work with the scout camp uh, coming in on the other side of the valley. Uh, they've asked if we can put in p- a couple of boxes there as well, really hoping to understand why we're seeing these losses um, and what we can do to, to mitigate future losses.
0: So, uh, Jesse, I think this touches on some of your, uh, your area of expertise, doesn't it? So as, uh, as a research biologist, uh, what, uh, what are you seeing? What's, what's, you, what's your perspective?
3: Yeah, so when you, when you look at the broader picture, um, pretty much any, any animal that you can think of has a few requirements. You know, they need habitat um, to, to take care of their daily activities, and, and they need food which is typically in that habitat and they need somewhere to nest if we're talking about birds specifically. Uh, so with the loss or degradation of that habitat, that could have repercussions for those critters, in this case, birds that depend on those areas. Um, so that's something that we're obviously concerned about worldwide, but of course, even locally with changes to the the environment and, and understanding how these birds are affected by changes that we're causing to the environment.
0: Great. So uh, most of our listeners may be aware of the nesting boxes uh, that, that we have here in Eagle Mountain that uh, Sean has been heading up. Uh, Dave, what uh, what else uh, might we be looking at from just managing this? What What might be some of the next steps, goals that we should be looking at, keeping in mind, working toward to keep this together? Because obviously... Uh, in, in order to help these birds survive, we need more than just nesting boxes.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So for, for kestrels, they're cavity nesters, so the boxes are a great, um, a great thing to put out on the landscape for, for that species. But there are other raptor species that occur in the area, like red-tailed hawks or Swainson's hawks or ferruginous hawks, burrowing owls, um, that have other nesting or roosting requirements. So thinking about, um, well, large trees, they're, they're going to get larger here mm-hmm. as time goes on so that the habitat will become more suitable, um, in that regard. Um, but thinking about the other things like space to hunt, Sean mentioned it earlier, keeping some open space in corridors that are, are wild with, with food. Like Jesse mentioned, you need, you need to have places to hunt, places to, um, breed and making sure that those resources that are important to these species are um, are there and actually aren't harmful. So, you know, the thing that lots of people can do, um, we, we worry about toxins and contaminants, so insecticides and rodenticides, and we're just starting to take a look at the impact that those um, contaminants that people use just to make, you know... Um, areas less buggy or less mousy, um, they can have repercussions on further up the food chain. So kestrels eat insects and kestrels eat mammals. So thinking about whether you really want to put those rodenticides out or those insecticides out, um, knowing that your local neighborhood kestrel might be eating some of that that menu that that could be contaminated, that could have an impact. So thinking about what you're doing is important.
0: Yeah, and I think, Sean, I I think you've seen some... Evidence of that, have you not, or at least uh, that's uh, a logical determination on uh, some loss of birds that we've we've had. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we we have one um, case of a great horned owl where we suspect uh, rodenticide was the problem. Uh, we didn't do a, a full study on that, but we, we think that's what happened. Um, we've we've seen kestrel losses um, in the nest. Um, not really sure if that's what the case is, but uh, seems a likely contributor.
0: Sure. Okay. So. Uh, in this preservation effort, uh, then we've got to be looking at not simply the birds themselves, but we've we've got to look at a whole ecosystem. We've got to look at what they eat, and uh, maybe maybe Jesse, maybe we we come back to you on this. What sure. what do, what do our birds eat?
3: Yeah, so if we're if we're talking about kestrels specifically, uh, Dave kind of mentioned that they they focus quite often on insects. Uh, so there's a lot of insects that they'll eat, grasshoppers, uh, lizards are, are a pretty big uh, menu item down in this area, uh, relative probably to other areas even within our study area, which extends you know, north of Salt Lake. There's quite a few lizards in this habitat, so reptiles. Um, and then small mammals are, are a pretty big food item, typically voles and, and mice specifically. Um, if you get up to something the size of a rat, that's, that's probably too large. And kestrels will also eat small birds as well, um, and so they're pretty diverse in their in their diet, um, and that is somewhat dictated by, again, the environment that they're specifically living within. And that's the cool thing about kestrels is they can occupy multiple different types of environments. They can be in a city, they can do well in in a rural area, and in between. And so that's kind of a neat a neat thing about them.
0: Great. So. Uh, there is opportunity for us to uh, improve upon that or at least assist in that uh, ecosystem. Then, mm-hmm. So Jesse, we probably should have jumped into this earlier, but can you give us a little bit of a background on you know, where, where you came from, how, sure. how you got involved?
3: Yeah, so I, I have a, a background in, in raptor research. My, my dad is actually a raptor biologist in the state of Washington. Uh, so I was pretty lucky. I grew up uh, doing this kind of work from from my childhood. Uh, and I, I obviously couldn't escape it or didn't escape it, so I'm, I'm still doing it. Um, I have a master's degree studying ferruginous hawks, actually, uh, which did mentioned. Say that again. Uh, it's a ferruginous hawk. Oh, oh ferruginous hawk. Um, so they, okay. are, they are ferrous. I won't go into too much detail, but ferrous is, is iron-colored, so they're a beautiful kind of an iron, uh, rust-colored bird. And, and we have them around here, so that that's another a uh, great species that we have in Eagle Mountain or in this area, um, and so lots of lots of grassland research uh, of raptors. That's kind of what my focus has been, and, and got a uh, position with Hawkwatch about four years ago, and have been very involved with this kestrel project.
0: Jesse, what are some of the other um, the other birds? So we've talked about the kestrel, and mm-hmm. and you've mentioned a couple of other birds here. Are, are, are there other? How, how do these habitats work together? And, and I, do, do these animals compete? Uh, obviously, we want to uh, w- want to focus on all of the birds, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and not just not just one particular set or species. But uh, what else? Uh, what other what other raptors birds might we uh, be considering
3: in in this program? Yeah. So. I kind of like to think of it as, uh, if, you're, if you're thinking about different size categories, if you will, um, you, you know, you've got some kestrels, which are a small falcon. Uh, they're our smallest falcon species, and, and we also have prairie falcons, which is a larger version, if you will, of, of an American kestrel, a larger prairie-dwelling raptor that we have in Utah, in, in pretty high numbers relative to other places in North America, Um and then uh, the bootio species, those include soaring hawks. So that's like a red-tailed hawk, a Swainson's hawk, and a ferruginous hawk that I just mentioned. And they; those three also occupy this area. Uh, of the three, ferruginous hawks probably have the most stringent requirements as far as uh, grassland or shrubland type habitat. So they, they specifically require habitat like we have in this area. Um, And then you get up to to larger birds, like a a golden eagle. They require more area because they're a larger bird, but we have them in in this region. And then there's owls. Uh, Burrowing owls are kind of on the same size ranges as kestrels and and eat much of the same prey. Um, And one one last one, I guess, is a great horned owl. There are other species too, but great horned owl is another one that that we'll often see. And so for sure, those birds are uh, competing for a lot of the same resources, but if they're is enough open space again for them to, to use that area and enough food, then they can all make a living.
0: Great, and we're going to come back for some more specific details on some of the things that uh, that we can do there. Uh, but let's, Sean, let's come back to you and, and let's talk a little bit more about um, the uh, the Kestrel uh, mm-hmm. program. Can you can you give our listeners an update?
1: Yeah, so uh, right now we're seeing uh, American Kestrel use our nest boxes to you know, sort of shelter out of the, the weather. We have a few that are actually spending the night in these boxes. just uh, uh, a nice roost.
0: So you're saying like currently? Currently, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so
1: they do use the boxes year-round. Um, we have, uh, I believe we're down to 21 boxes in the area now. Uh, we know of uh, at least four or five that are currently being used. Um Recently, we did have a, a little kestrel that got, uh, got himself in trouble, found himself stuck in the ice in a rain gutter, so we, uh, we got a crew out and uh, got him rescued. That's one thing that, uh, that residents can do if they see these birds in trouble. Um, you know, Pick up the phone, send a message. Uh, there are wildlife um, rehabilita- rehabilitation agencies that will uh, come out and help. Um, and one thing that we're doing, if we see a place where a, a bird is um, getting in trouble, using a, a building, a, a house, a home, a barn, we will come out and try and get a nest box on that site and see if we can redirect from something that might be dangerous to them to a a safer environment.
0: So, Sean, you you mentioned that there are some uh, individuals and groups that could be contacted. uh, You know, the resident, if if they see something, maybe a bird needs some assistance for whatever reason. Uh, Do you happen to have any of those references, contact information, who they might call and contact? Mm -hmm. Uh, If... if, uh, yeah, if, if you do, maybe we can just go ahead and, and let our listeners know. If you don't have it uh, readily available, maybe we can tag it on the end of this this podcast. Uh, do you have a, Is there a phone number that they should call?
1: Uh, yes, we can uh, contact um, one that I like to use. A Second Chance Wildlife out of Price, Utah. Yeah, let me see if I can find a phone number for that. Uh, lady's name is Debbie, and. Phone number for that is four three five six five zero three four four one. I'm also fairly active on the local Facebook group with the Eagle Mountain Kestrel Project, or um, you can just send me a message through uh, Facebook Messenger, and I can usually help with, uh, you know, coming out, uh, picking up the bird, getting them out to Debbie as well.
0: Great. So on um, on the Kestrels specifically now, uh, even though we've 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 acknowledged that we're uh, our focus is more than the kestrel but the kestrel is kind of a kind of a favorite program right now so uh what, what are there what are the plans then with the with the kestrel project you said you mentioned there are about 21 boxes out there currently is that something you're planning on expanding
1: yes we would like to add a, a couple of more boxes we're, we're getting somewhere around a 75 percent usage rates we, we feel we do have more habitat that we can use uh but the Challenge we're finding right now is uh, finding good areas that are somewhat uh, future-proof, where we're not installing a, a pole in a box and having to come out and, and remove it after a couple of years, and places where development is not coming in and endangering the birds with the young fledge. I want to make sure they're safe from you know, kids, cats, cars, et cetera. So we, we would like to get uh, a few more boxes installed in the area.
2: Great. Can I, can I jump in? Yeah, please do. Um, I, everything Sean says I, I think is great and, and, and a good important part of the project but one of the one of the things we're trying to understand with kestrels and other raptors um, in Eagle Mountain and across the valley here is, is how they do in urban settings right and how they do with different intensities of development um, and so when a when an area like Eagle Mountain is, is, is great from a scientist's perspective because so much growth is taking place here, right? And if I want to understand, Hawkwatch wants to understand, Jesse wants to understand, Sean wants to understand, how kestrels adapt and change to those areas, having them in areas before it, it happens and seeing what happens after is really informative. It's it's not necessarily great when you become attached to that that pair of kestrels that we know. <laughs> Um, but when we know these are areas where development has taken place and kestrels persist and they seem to be doing well, what did we do there that seemed to work and we can learn from that and that's one of the goals of, of our research project is to understand across the valley we we monitor 500 boxes from Ogden down to um, to provo, including Eagle Mountain as a, as a team there but understanding in all the patterns of development that we happen what what's going on with the raptor communities That's that's our goal so that we can say look this is how eagle mountain did it and they still have kestrels or red-tailed hawks and it's great have this much open space um, think about this that's that's our end goal from a conservation perspective and so eagle mountain is great because it's a live experiment like you're growing like gangbusters here and and you're interested in conserving open space and wildlife and raptors and so from our perspective, a wonderful partner to, to see what's going on, and we can compare this area as a snapshot to downtown Salt Lake, for instance, that grew at some point, but we're watching watching it take place over time. So it's really important there, and from our perspective, Sean and the group here in Eagle Mountain as as a general are an amazing partner because... This is a community science project. We have 80 plus to 100 people that work on the project with us and monitor these boxes. And to have a community so engaged that there's there's a leader here to, to make this happen and to feed your data here into our bigger effort is really the perfect setup and kind of the ideal thing that we like to see happen.
0: Well, we certainly enjoy the uh, this partnership in, in this effort. Uh, and I'll just open this up to this question to to everyone: Is um, why why is this important to us? Well, uh, why why the effort to keep the raptors here? Uh, other than oh yeah, they they are they, fun to watch flying around. Uh, feel free to jump in, anybody. Uh, what's what what? You probably have personal reasons even.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, raptors are are generally iconic species that people. Enjoy looking at because they're fun to look at, but beyond that, I mean, they want one thing about them is they're somewhat of an indicator, um, and okay. so, so if the raptors are doing well, for example, that could be a, an indicator that hey things are good here. We've got healthy raptor populations. Everybody's happy. That means on the lower levels of the food chain, um, things are good. There's lots of food, lots of prey, lots of raptors can eat those and be healthy, and that's that's probably good for everyone. But if you flip that around and there's a lack of prey or something going on where you see these populations crashing, it's probably not just raptors that are crashing, right? That means something at the lower levels has, has gone wrong, and that's not only affecting raptors, that's affecting, uh, could be running up the food chain, even even deer and other animals that are depending on grass and forage and that type of thing could be negative consequences occurring.
0: So uh kind of harkens back a little bit to the uh, canary in the cave mine absolutely. concept absolutely absolutely yeah. yep yeah so in, in at least the potential is there that uh, the health of these birds could reflect our own uh our own health uh, absolutely. at some point yep great uh Sean what are your personal reasons
1: I've been um Photographing raptors in the area for you know twenty plus years, so more of a, a personal reason, just uh, out enjoying, enjoying the birds. Um, for myself as a, a connection with nature, and I think that's a reason why a lot of our residents are here. Where we have a very close connection with nature, Um gives you a, a little more perspective when you're you're out and watching an eagle fly over and you know just uh, enjoying the day, enjoying the space.
0: Great. How about you, Dave?
2: Um. From a personal level, I think just rap- raptors are, they resonate with a lot of people. They resonate with me personally. Jesse and Sean hit on, on some, you know, they're, they're magnificent animals. Um, from a, you know, big picture as a, as a someone who thinks of the ecology of a city and the wildlife and not only in the people that live in it is having open space and hope and having wildlife in an area has been shown to impact quality of life and health and humans right? Having a park nearby is is good. And so not only conserving wildlife and spaces for the sake of those spaces, but they actually, there's data that show that it's good for people too.
0: Yeah. And we, uh, we have a lot of young people uh, living and growing up here in Eagle Mountain and, uh, uh, who can benefit from that outdoor recreation and being uh, connected to nature. And, and and really, that's what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about being more connected with nature, yeah. more in tune with it, and, and uh, helping it to thrive so that we can thrive. Uh, certainly, and, you know, there's... Um, I don't know if there's it's, if it's just coincidence or not, but certainly the fact that this city is named Eagle Mountain, uh, certainly uh, the the eagles, the Ra- and all of the other raptors uh, ought to uh, be important to us, and uh, not simply just uh, uh, just a logo on uh, on stationery or on a sign. Uh, so, uh, what? Um, what kind of are are there eagles here? I, I think I think Jesse, I think you you, you mentioned eagles, but what uh, what kind of eagles do we see here?
3: Yeah, so so Utah, uh, or I should say North America, generally has two eagle species. And that's the bald eagle, uh, which most most people are familiar with, and the golden eagle. And in Utah specifically, uh, Utah is really a really good place for breeding golden eagles. Uh, we have a lot of wintering bald eagles that come down uh, from northern latitudes, uh, but in this area particularly, uh, lots of golden eagles. Um, so, mind you, they are much larger than a kestrel. So, because of that, you're going to have a lot fewer of them generally, uh, meaning that you know maybe one pair of eagles is going to range a lot farther than one pair of kestrels. Uh, but it is an important area for eagles. Uh, generally, they they nest in... Um, areas that they could nest in trees, but in this area probably more likely up in up in uh, high elevation areas in, in the mountains or on, on big cliffs or ridges like that. And they'll range uh, hunting things like jackrabbits or um, even deer fawns and that type of thing in, in the open areas like we have in, in Eagle Mountain.
0: How, how wide of a range do they have? How much area do they
3: cover? They can cover a, a massive area. I mean, you know, there's different terminology for what a, a home range of a of an eagle is or a bird is, but easily uh, 10, 10 plus kilometers from the nest with without any problem. Um, one individual pair. So you've got two birds nesting at, at a site and they'll range kilometers from that area to, to gather food and provide food for their, their nestlings.
0: Well, and, and that's probably a case in point where uh, it's really beneficial for us to be involved with a group like Hawkwatch because these birds do cover such vast areas, much bigger than uh, just a, a single city. Of course, we have the advantage of, of geographically being a very large city, so mm-hmm. we do have a lot of area we can manage and uh, plan for. Uh, so what else? Uh, so... Uh, we're, we're getting close on time here, and I, I want to uh, identify as best we can progress that we can make uh, from, from all of your perspectives. What, what ought to be the next thing on our, on our list? What, what do we need to be looking at? Where, where do our efforts, our time, our finances need to go in order to make this projects like these work? What are we missing? What do we need to add? What do we need to strengthen? Sean, you look, good, Sean. look like you're ready to, to, to speak. Uh, what's what's on your mind?
1: Uh, the most important thing I think we can do here is uh, preserving as much open space and habitat as we can. And not just, um, just open space, but high value habitat. Places where we have a, a good prey base. Um, the kestrel do consume a lot of uh, rodents and small mammals. So a place where we find these animals. Uh, we're finding they, they're hunting the sage areas quite a lot. So any area that has um, a sagebrush, uh, that works well for these, these birds. Not only the kestrel, but as Jesse mentioned, the red-tailed hawk, the feruginous hawk also hunt these areas. Um, the other thing that we can do is, in my opinion, the most important thing we can do is involve our, our young people. You know, it, it, as much work as we're doing here, it uh, affects our generation, but what are the next generations? Who's gonna take up the torch after, after we're done with this study? So i really like to find a, a, a group of young people that are interested and you know, willing to, to get out in the field with us.
0: Okay. So uh, volunteers are welcome.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesse, how about you? What uh, have, have you had a chance to look closely at Eagle Mountain and uh, consider uh, what uh, uh, what we ought to be targeting?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's a tough, tough question. And, and Dave kind of got to this. It's a great area that's seen be, because it's seen so much change. Um, we've got a lot of neat things here to look at. Um, I, I really like what Sean said. Education, I think, is is crucial. Um, you know, by being informed, we can teach the next generation and, and use our knowledge to, to, to make things better for these species. Um, and, and doing our best to strategi- strategically, I think, Preserve specific environments that we know, maybe even on a fine scale, that we know are really good for these birds. I think is important.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, one of the advantages we have here is we have BLM land, uh, with that that helps us out quite a bit. We have um, some area preservation we're working on with uh, Camp Williams that will be buffer around Camp Williams and be preserved, and then we've got other efforts. Uh, and looking at some deer migration data is specifically to keep those migration corridors open, and all of those work together because uh, you know, Sean, you mentioned the sage. Uh, certainly, the the sage and the and the cedars uh, are valuable to the deer as as well as the birds. Um, so, Dave, what else? Uh, what 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 can you add to this? Uh, as as we look to identify what more we can do.
2: I think everyone's mentioned already, but you're, you're kind of doing it. You're embracing, you know, this idea that you want Eagle mountain to be a place with open space and, and wildlife and raptors in general, you named it, your high school mascot, Um, all the streets that have raptor names and and wildlife names, Um, getting volunteers involved and keeping them involved um, in kestrels and other things is important. Um, We're starting a survey um, effort for just raptors in general, where, you know, four times a year, people can go out for essentially an hour and run a grid. And there are grids in Eagle Mountain where you record what raptors you see. And that's our effort to try to understand um, where, where raptors are on the landscape um, relative to development. So you can do that. And I really liked Mary when you mentioned, you know, Eagle Mountain has a lot of space, but from a a raptor's perspective, you know... they're not necessarily tied to Eagle Mountain all year round or, or even in, within a season. So thinking about, you know, we have, we've had kestrels from Eagle Mountain nest boxes that we found later as, as nesting adults up in Kaysville, in Layton. And so even these small birds cover a lot of ground, and, and um, you are a source for other locations, and then birds from other locations are coming here over time too. And so just keeping that perspective of what's going on local, but, but not forgetting a, at least a little broader geography is important too.
0: Wonderful. Definitely looking forward to uh, watching and and assisting these uh, these projects uh, advance and and uh, adapt and re- and be refined. And looking forward to working with other municipalities as well, uh, and uh, working further with uh, with Hawkwatch International. So uh, we definitely. So what I'm what I'm hearing from all of you is. Is an open invitation for residents to to get involved and kind of, Absolutely. if nothing else make it a hobby uh, make it an interest uh, and uh, one that will pay pay dividends to us all well gentlemen I want to thank you all for being here this is uh, a, a great conversation to have I think it's one we're all interested in observing uh, as, as, we, as we progress and uh, as we run into challenges, how we might overcome those challenges. And, and certainly this could be a much longer conversation, so uh, I, I expect that it uh, won't, won't be long and, and uh, we'll probably have another, another podcast as kind of a follow-up and, and with, with news and, and updates. So again, thank you for being here. Uh, we really appreciate your efforts and uh, and the information that you've shared. Uh, this uh, is talking up Eagle Mountain. We want to thank our listeners for for tuning in and uh, please encourage your friends to listen. If you have any subjects you would like us to cover, let us know. Uh, Sean, maybe in closing, is there a, if somebody wants to get uh, in touch with you? How, what's the best way to do it?
1: Probably the the easiest way is with the Eagle Mountain Kestrel Project on Facebook. You can uh, request to join and contact me directly through that group.
0: Great. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, You have been listening to Talking Up Eagle Mountain.
2: Hello, Evan here. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future episode of the podcast, you can send an email to info at emcity.org or send a text message to 801-358-1175. That's 801-358-1175.